0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Apple unveiled three new iPhones for this year's editions, the 8, the 8S, and the X which is the high-end version that has facial recognition programming in it. But from the business side, this was an important period for Apple as they try and do away with some recent sales declines. They would also like to see if they can start eating into the market share, the global share, that Android has accumulated. David Hsu joins us here in studio. He's a professor of management here at the Wharton School as well as the entrepreneurship and innovation area coordinator. And joining us on the phone is Loises Eraclos, who is uh, who is a chair in strategy and organization at the Warwick Business School. He's also associate fellow of the Green Templeton College and the Said Business School at Oxford University in England. David, great to have you with us. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Great to have you here. Loisos, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Dan. Th- thank you. Uh, just give us your opinion, David, first on, on the overall event, because I think a lot of people were – I don't know if they were necessarily expecting three phones right out of the gate, but it goes to the play, I think, to a degree of what Apple has been going through with some of these sales declines.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. there's a huge amount of anticipation ahead of this event. Um, And given the market capitalization of Apple and the reliance of Apple, two thirds of their revenues come from iPhone. And as you mentioned, uh, some declines in global market share, down to around 15% of the global market share. And so lots of interest in yesterday's event and lots of anticipation uh, associated with the likely demand for this suite of three new iPhones. Loisos
2: Yes. um, I think people were expecting um, some surprise from Apple, given that it's there. 10-year anniversary of the iPhone, also given critiques over the, the last few years that Apple didn't really come up with any groundbreaking new product. Um, to be fair, um, even though it's not a groundbreaking new product, I think a lot of the functions uh, will make a big difference to the user experience.
1: What are the most uh, intriguing pieces from some of the, the things that they have added to the iPhones?
2: Um, I think the face recognition seem even though there was a small hitch at the at the demonstration. Um, unfortunately, I think the face recognition will be uh, very useful because they can build a lot of subsequent services on that. They've already shown their animated emoji, but there's more that can be done on that. For example, um, cartoon versions of people's actual faces and. Yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they come up with something like that pretty soon but it opened it opens up the possibilities for more kinds of of services um, the other parts have been there before uh... for example the wraparound glass people are familiar uh... with that um, and we really need to see how the experience is in practice when people actually use the iphone x will the absence of the, um, of the home button, for example, make a lot of difference to people. Is it, um, are people too used to the home button? Will they find it weird? We just have to wait and see, but it, it looked smooth enough at the demonstration.
1: Also, I would think uh, the the ability uh, of the phones to be able to charge remotely, basically, instead of having to have, you know, a cord necessarily attached to them. I mean, part of this is just making the convenience of the device more acceptable for the consumer moving forward with some of the things that other companies have done, David.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. These uh, This vision of the wireless future, uh, to the point of, you know, there's some elements of evolution and revolution, I think, associated with the iPhone 10. And I think the technology that most excites me, I, I think the wireless charging is great. And that participation in the Qi consortium, you know, as opposed to the usual Apple strategy of building something proprietary, I'm glad to see them at least participate in a more industry-wide consortium on the wireless charging. And, and explain
1: what that is for people that don't understand.
0: Uh, Qi, as I understand it, is a way to provide up to, uh, I believe, around 15 watts of power uh, without being plugged in to the device and just having the convenience and pervasiveness uh, of not having a dedicated cord or or type of cord to to charge in already many purveyors, hotel chains, coffee shops around – uh, are starting to offer this, and that's just going to accelerate because, of course, who could ignore this platform that the new generation of iPhones are, are getting on? Mm-hmm. But I did want to return to the facial recognition technology, which I think is going to be uh, quite exciting. Um, I don't see completely uh, the, the, how it's going to operate and, and, and all the extensions to it. But one thing that's clear, and I think that's been underplayed in the media – is the reliance on the neural net technology that's associated with this. That's a branch of artificial intelligence. And the fact that you have this authentication through this new form is quite exciting. And we already saw a glimpse of how you're going, how that's going to pair with things like the Animoji, um, et cetera. One thing that, that puzzles me, though, is that is this issue of privacy uh, in the following way when you authenticate using your face apple says that that information is only going to be stored locally however the power of these type of technologies is to make the system better right so we want to know even though they announced at the at the launch you know one in a million chance that you could fool or crack the system yeah. it's hard to verify The problem, though, is that when you store the information locally, you can only push the software in these updates. And that feedback loop to Apple in terms of when the system goes wrong or is unable to authenticate successfully, that loop is broken. And I wanted to make this analogy to a different platform. That's the Google Photos platform. Now, what's interesting there is you label the technology, or you label the, the photos. And the system learns. So this neural net technology is based on a training database. So mm-hmm. I know that regardless of whether you're using glasses, growing a beard, et cetera, there's got to be some predictive algorithm that says, OK, Dan, it's Dan's phone. And right. Dan is trying to unlock. And that system is made better the, the more input or data points that you have. Sure, now, yeah. to the extent that the data that they're capturing is just going to be stored on the phone, it's going to be hard for Apple to get back that, that, that feedback loop, much like Google Photos gets better the more photos that you upload. That's why they've made it free. They want you to label your data so they can predict this photo that you've just uploaded to our server. It's got these people um, involved in it. And sure. that, that prediction is going to get better over time. And so it's not quite apparent to me yet how this new facial recognition technology, that of course, unlocking is just the first step, you can easily see uh, movement towards gaming,, oh, sure. uh, you know, banking, all the other type of, of things that are associated with that. And that's actually from a technological perspective, I think, one of the big announcements uh, that that Apple made. And
1: and Loizos, obviously, that's an area where a lot of companies in the tech sector want to go. They want to, you know, delve into uh, virtual reality. They want to make that a component of pretty much everything they do. And it's just, you know, depending on the company you're dealing with, how you kind of work within that framework.
2: Um, Yes, there's always a dance between companies wanting more and more information from us and now our biometrics and our our, our faces and uh, there's always a tension between the information we're willing to give and the information that the companies want but there's no doubt that the industry is going that way and a lot of um, new um, new offerings will be enabled by this technology. Um, I think the advantage that Apple has um, that in a way it goes against the recipe of, of Silicon Valley is, is to have um, a whole ecosystem of hardware and software and services, whereas many other companies will, will specialize. And um, Apple claims that that enables them to offer more seamless services. And um, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a valid claim. And I think other companies that are trying to offer um, these sort of services, uh, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, they will be probably at the slightest advantage because they have not already have a basis of um, high-level knowledge on those things yeah. unless they do some targeted acquisitions and unless they manage to integrate those acquisitions effectively. But Apple is already halfway there, and that's, that's I think, the competitive advantage that Apple has in this respect.
1: Let me ask you, David, something that Loizo said before. He said that, you know, while this wasn't necessarily a groundbreaking event, does Apple need to have a groundbreaking event, in your opinion?
0: I think that the, the trajectory they're on, clearly there's a lot of stickiness for the reasons that Laszlo just mentioned, which is there's a lot of complementarity in their ecosystem, and once you've entered that ecosystem, they come at you with uh, hardware, software integration services—it's very easy to live in that ecosystem, and so you don't see as much of the switching behavior. One of the the things that uh, has been discussed in the press is the is the price point, right? Sure, thousand yeah. yeah. dollars—that's pretty eye popping. Yep. Particularly in the context, they just released the um, median household incomes of the United States. It it turns out to be around fifty nine thousand dollars this year. And so $1,000 dollars, obviously that's premium pricing. that's consistent with the brand. That's what they what, what with uh, the whole play that that Apple has in this context. But this in the face of very capable, lower cost Chinese manufacturers of these these handsets, of course, that's a different ecosystem. And of course, you've got the Android uh, ecosystem as as well. And so I do think that it is important, I think that the incremental approach is fine and to be expected given just how fundamental this platform is, but you could also see the need for the kind of the, the higher road, smaller revolutionary plays like the facial recognition, yeah. maybe some of the, the, the wireless charging, uh, et cetera, because to the, the expectations of the of the stakeholders and the shareholders that's you know running ahead of what's being announced today they're looking you know foreign to the future, and so sure. in one sense, it is important to not disrupt the trajectory they're on, but on the other hand, this you know where's the where are the battles going to be fought and won in one year, five years, ten years. That's also where Apple has to play uh, as well in in their R&D efforts.
1: Your thoughts on the uh, release of the Apple iPhones also the iWatch, the Apple Watch at 844 Wharton 844 942 7866 or if you can't get to your phone you can send us a uh, comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Uh, Loisus, I don't know if, if you had the chance to really uh, delve into the Apple Watch, but I wanted to touch on that for a second because it's been a device now in, in the couple of years that it has been out. Uh, yeah. that it, it seemingly hasn't gotten the traction, I think, that a lot of people at Apple probably expected it to. Uh, yeah. I, I, have, I have friends that have Apple Watches, and I'm like, okay, you, so you're, you're going you're gonna to touch the icons, which are so small, you're probably hitting two icons at the same time. How are you going to get messages? Yeah. How are you going to have all this communication? Yet they are still banking on Apple Watch being something that can be a really core component for them
2: yeah I think part of it is that not everyone has a watch or wants to wear a watch. most people do all the functions they need to 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 do on their mobile um but I think Apple is still trying in that they have the cellular connection and they have the health applications they spend quite a bit of time talking about uh heart um how the how the um, watch can help people with heart issues um right. i, I th- think They are trying to make it um, an integral part of their ecosystem. Um, it, it might take some time until the iWatch takes off. But very quickly on the relevant point you made earlier, does Apple need something groundbreaking? We should say that none of the things that Apple introduced actually was groundbreaking technologically. Right. It was groundbreaking in terms of design and creating a market by uh, giving people products they enjoy using. So we already had MP3 players, we already had mobiles, we already had tablets before the famous Apple products. I think, I think Apple's skill is design innovation, user experience innovation. So then and d- I, they are trying to do the same with the Apple iWatch
1: so then do you think then that the the uh the the premium iPhone the X the 10 uh do you think that it is going to be a big seller especially with the high price point
2: Um it will be in countries where uh the providers offer packages and subsidize so um, people who already buy the 699 or 799 is just a couple of Starbucks coffee is a month more (laughs) as to what they'll pay to their provider. (laughs) Now, in countries like India, uh, it will be very difficult. That's why Apple is trying other avenues like um, collaborating with companies um, rather than directly with individuals. In India, there's not not much subsidies by the providers. Um, But the, the issues in India shouldn't detract from the right decision to do in terms of pricing strategy which uh, Apple has always been pushing the boundaries on pricing. Um, it will charge what people um, can afford but but it will push that. So that's consistent with their uh, traditional pricing strategy.
1: Well going off of that then uh, uh, what is your expectation for Apple now moving forward with all of these pieces that that, that they have brought forward? And the other p- factor is is that there was a consideration just a couple of weeks ago that Apple may have to delay, the, the release of these items, because there was concern about, you know, issues of of getting these, uh, these products to market, getting them uh, actually in production.
2: It's a good problem to have, to have so much demand that you have troubles fulfilling. But I'm sure they planned it well. And if there yeah. are some demand shortages, it will only increase the desirability of these items. David?
0: Yeah, I think that the strategy seems to be among the upper tier of consumers trying to segment. And there's always a debate as to how many versions uh, of a given iPad, iWatch, iPhone that you should have. And uh, you know, the analogy here is we go onto an airplane, and we know that airlines invest quite a bit into making the first class or business class quite luxurious. Yep. The question is how luxurious. At what price point, right? And so there, and and moreover, those revenues are responsible for the lion's share of profits yeah. uh, for these companies. I think the analogy holds true over there at um, uh, Apple as well. Uh, of course, they're in a, you can imagine a, a plane that's all kind of business class and then the upper tiers of that. And I think that's where the X comes in, or the 10, in that um, they're enough people who demand that. And of course, there's assuming that the suppliers can come through with the quality there. This is a company that's notorious for not releasing before the experience is quite good and things are locked down pretty well. That's part of the assurance and reputation that you get as a consumer.
1: And to a degree, what we see with income inequality here in this country with more people on the higher end, I mean, that just opens up more of a market for Apple to have more sales here in the U.S. in that category for the X.
0: That's right. And in China, where, you know, you uh, often think about the upper tier and the growing wealth there, being having the, the status and the yeah. functionality and the, the clear differentiation, uh, all these things play in. And that's why I think that uh, this disconnect between only having 15% of the world's market share in the smartphone category, yet... Having some 144 billion dollars in revenues just from the iPhone, you know that's and two thirds of the company's uh, revenues coming from the iPhone. That's where this inequality pushes, and so long as that they can play well among that set of consumers. Um, you know, it, it seems like it's doing pretty well, and towards yeah. its march of a trillion trillion dollar market cap company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> great to have you both with us. Thank you, David. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate Thank it, you, Loizos. Great to have you on the phone with us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, you. David Chu from the Wharton School. Loizos Heraclous from Warwick Business School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit
0: knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.